Hey, you're listening to the RFWP Podcast with your host, Lois McNair and Emily Lewis, where you'll find candid conversations, transparent faith, encouragement, the occasional sarcasm, and a whole lot of grace as they share their walk with Jesus. Here's today's episode. Hi there, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the RFWP, where we are seeking truth and finding God's heart. I am your host, Emily Lewis, and with me is my co-host, Lois McNair. Hi, guys. Today, we are coming at you with a really fun episode where we are answering your questions. It's a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just opened ourselves up. <laughs> yes, it's fun, but it is a little scary. <laughs> and before we get started, I I have a quote to share with you. Ah, uh, the quote of the week. Yeah, here we go. All right. I don't know if you're ready for this. Hit me. A woman's dress should be like a barbed wire fence. Serving its purpose without obstructing the view. (laughs) Where in the world did you find that nonsense? (laughs) So it's on Canva of all places. Like, you know how they have free templates. Oh my it's like gracious. so. It's a quote from a gal named Sophia Lauren. <laughs> Sophia <laughs> Lauren is is you know a famous actress from years, but I can't believe she said something like that. <laughs> you should have warned me. <laughs> okay, you have to read that quote one more time. Oh okay. my goodness! <laughs> a woman's dress should be. Like a barbed wire fence serving its purpose without obstructing the view. I don't even know. (laughs) I think we we need to jump straight into the micro joy. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Okay. So I have multiple micro joys. One is the fact that I'm recording from California. I'm here with family. My niece got, one of my nieces got married this past weekend in a beautiful, beautiful setting, a beautiful wedding. I already like my nephew-in-law. He's just going to be awesome for her. I love it. Love it. Love it. I guess that's really not a micro joy, but that's more of a macro joy. But my micro joy is that I am in succulent heaven out here. (laughs) My sister's neighborhood, because people can't really grow grass because of the droughts and everything, but succulents thrive out here, just like massively thrive. And so every day I have just taken a walk around her neighborhood and looked at all these beautiful different plants. I love plants, so... I may be snipping a few before I come home. (laughs) Try to sneak them home on the plane. (laughs) Sneak them home. I'm going to pack them down in my shoes and in my socks, in my luggage. (laughs) Yeah. If you work for TSA, I didn't say that just now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to get yourself uh, delayed. Oh, I shouldn't speak that out. Yeah, speak that out. Don't do that, girl. I got to fly home and see the rest of my family. That's right. But a Uh, macro joy is that I have been able to be with both of my sisters and several family members, you know, but just the three of us getting to be together and spend time together is always a joy for me. Um, Mm -hmm. Nice. So it also kind of freaks me out because I hear one of them talk and I think it's me echoing. (laughs) <laughs> because we sound alike. <laughs> you, do you want to ask me what my micro joy is? Oh, you have a micro joy? 
this week, Beyond the Crazy Quote by Sophia Loren. Actually, you say her name, Sophia Loren. And if you don't know who that is, you have to look her up. And I'm pretty sure you don't know who that is because you were raised in a a box. Yeah. (laughs) I can't remember an actress's name to save my life. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So my micro joy is that our girls just walk around and praise God, like with their hands up, like we'll have a worship song and their hands will just go up. And that is so sweet. And that's not at all. I mean, my mom, like, you know, did did the conductor thing Mm -hmm. around the house. The conductor thing. (laughs) Well, you know, like wave your hands. Because we didn't dance. <laughs> we danced but, this weekend, girlfriend, at my niece's wedding. So I I danced for you. But we, uh, it's just, the girls are just picking up what we do. And it's just really cool because it's something that we have, I don't know, liberty in. And the girls yeah. copy it. And it's really, really fun to watch them. Yeah. I love the fact that you are, how do I want to word this? That you are, are breaking the legalism and you are stopping that with your girls, that you and Mm. Bill are stopping that with your girls and that because they're so young, Lord willing, they will never know what it's like to not walk in freedom and not mm-hmm. worship freely and not have just conversations walking with Jesus every day. So mm-hmm. yeah. I love that. So good. Yeah. So good. Girl, I don't know if that's a micro joy or a macro joy. It's a micro joy <laughs> that's going to grow into a macro joy. There you yeah. go. It's beautiful. <laughs> I try to get it on. I try to capture it on video, but it's just, you can't, can't, can it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So this week for our sponsor, I'd like to recognize our patrons on Patreon. Thank yes. you for getting behind us, for supporting the show, because we can't do this without you. It's not sustainable without some support and help. Uh, and we're just so thankful that you see value in this message and helping others uh, break free from the legalism and press into relationship with God. Yeah. I'm so thankful because, you know, it's just, um, it's those, it's the, it's those little things, um, with the, with the patrons that help us have a better sound quality, help us get some other things accomplished and move forward. But I'll tell you one of the things that I love, Emily, that not a week goes by not a week goes by that we don't receive encouragement or somebody's story Mm -hmm. um, of something that God has shown them through the podcast. And that is huge. So, so you guys just keep, keep communicating with us. We, we love that. Yeah. It blows my mind that people listen <laughs> to us sitting behind a microphone I know. and honestly listening to us back when I edit it sometimes I go wow did we really say that that was definitely God and I'm just thankful that he he just chooses to use us yes that we get to be his vessel I'm thankful yeah and sometimes I listen back and I go oh did I really say that? <laughs> so the, op- the opposite, opposite reaction. Oh, Same statement sure. used two different ways. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Are you ready for questions? Oh, dun, girl, dun, dun. this is going to be fun, but okay. I'm a little nervous. And I'm just going to tell you straight up, if I don't, you know, if, if if it's an I don't know, it's a, it's an I don't know. You know, I'm not going to, we're not here to fake anything. <laughs> nope. Okay, so I'm going to hit you with the first two questions. These, this is like a handful of questions from Christina. She said, she asks if we are married or not, and if we have any kids. You want to go first? Well, you and I are not married. (laughs) (laughs) Did it really come out that way? (laughs) You said if we're married, I'm like, well, we just met in December, so no, we're not married. Um, (laughs) She said, okay, I'm the one that worded it for me. She said, who's married or not? (laughs) I am married and to Bobby and literally we just celebrated. Well, we haven't actually got to celebrate because I've been out here in California and he couldn't come. But 32 years of marriage. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. He was my sixth grade sweetheart. I love it. So how many kids do you have? Uh, Wait, are you married? Oh, I was going to give you two. (laughs) And and I'm married to Bill, and we've been married for nine years. I remember nine years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you have children? And I have four girls. Uh, The youngest is a year and a half, and the oldest is about five and a half. And there's a set of twins in the middle. That's right. (laughs) And we have four kids. Um, They're all grown. They're between the ages of 19 and 30. And um, we have a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law. And... We have a grandbaby on the way. Yay. Yay. Okay. Her next question is, do you work outside of the home? Like outside of the yard or? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Yes. Off and on, I have worked outside of the home um, the majority of our marriage, whether I was teaching full-time or teaching part-time, whether I was on staff at the church, leading worship, um, you know, early on in our marriage, I did some retail and tutoring and those kinds of things. But um, I, I guess yes and no, because like right now, um, my office is at my house, but I do work for a company um, out, outside of my house. So yeah, yeah, there you I go. Work. I work outside of the home. Um, I work inside the home. And <laughs> I think it was years ago that, um, and y'all don't hate hate on me for this one, but I think it was Dr. Phil, the show Dr. Phil, the psychologist, that said that um, when a woman works in her home and it's all the things that she does, um, even if she doesn't work outside of the home, that that she literally has uh, three, almost three full time jobs. There, yeah, usually it's true. <laughs> or the so or I, the mannies or the dad dad guys, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you work uh, outside your I home? Have, I work at home. I have my own business. Helping Christians move from fear-based relationships with God to love-focused relationships with God. And that lights me up and it gives me a break from four little people. So um, Mm -hmm. I do that. I could say, I I don't want to say on the side, but part-time. No, you have two two full jobs. Two full Mm -hmm. jobs. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So next one is, do either of you happen to homeschool? So I can answer that one first. Uh, 
this year we do plan, my oldest is just going into kindergarten. So we do plan to keep her home. Thought about sending her. My husband is excited to see his little girl go off with a backpack on the school bus or mm-hmm. to school. But because kindergarten's a full day, I'm not ready to give her up for a full day. So we're going to So keep you guys don't have a half year. day kindergarten near you? Mm-mm. Oh. So I'm just going to yeah. keep her home. Yeah, sure. Um, I did not homeschool any of my kids. Um, and maybe it's because I'm a teacher (laughs) and I don't know. I just, that was just not something that I felt led to do or called to do. But when they were little, I taught them, you know, till they got into school. But, um, yeah, all my kids went to Christian school for, um, a few years, early years, and then, uh, they all went to public school, graduated from mm-hmm. high school. Yeah. Weren't, we weren't college, you, so. weren't you afraid that like there was no way that they could turn out if you sent them to public school? I think early on there was, there's a lot of, uh, fear-based stuff. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, people in our area going, oh, you don't want to send your kids to such and such high school because we've heard blah, 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 blah. And literally when we went, I mean, public school is public school, right? But my kids just, they grew so much and I, I it's everybody's decision. I don't want to get, um, individual decision. I should say, I don't want to get into a, you know, conversation about public school versus Christian school. I mean, that conversation's been had, but I would just, you're not really asking for my advice, but, um, it's our responsibility first and foremost to instill biblical truth into our own children. And sometimes when they are um, in a, in a environment where that gets really challenged, sometimes it's tough. Um, But sometimes it opens up conversations that you wouldn't necessarily have had. So mm-hmm. yeah, my statement would be don't ever make a parenting decision about school out of fear of how your kids are going to turn out mm-hmm. because our prayer for our children, our input in their lives, you know, scripture is very clear. The scripture will not return void, um, you know, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That doesn't mean he won't ever struggle or go back and forth or question or whatever, but he, he won't depart from the Lord. So, and I know everybody has a different story, so I, I probably shouldn't be that dogmatic about it. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I, maybe I'll be even more dogmatic and just say that the, there's no formula that works again. This person yeah. didn't ask for our opinion, but there's just no <laughs> formula that says, you know, because this is how so many churches put it. You do this, you do this, you homeschool or you oh. private school and bam, you're guaranteed. And it's, it's sold like that. Mm-mm. And, um, if you look at the statistics from research groups, Christian research groups, of students who grow up in church, Christian or Christian home, youth group, Christian school, 70, over 70% of these kids Mm. are walking away from their faith. Yeah. And it's not because they went to Christian school or public school or they, you know, this or that. It's because they never owned their faith for themselves. Right. And so, but that's a, that's a different episode. I need to be quiet now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I egged you on. That was me. <laughs> you did a little bit. You did. You kind of threw me under the bus there. I did. <laughs> uh, okay. So the next question is from my sister. 
What did she say? She wants to know why my middle sister is so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is this your baby sister that asked this question or is it your middle sister that asked this question? (laughs) It's my middle sister. Of course she did. Are you going to call her out? No, I think I'm just going to say how awesome she is. Oh, okay. Because she's related to me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That went well. Right? (laughs) Yeah. But you're the middle sister, aren't you? No, I'm the baby. You're the baby. Okay. Yes. I'm the baby. I'm the baby of five. Three, Three girls, two boys. I'm the baby. All right. Save the best for last. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She also, Rebecca also asks what your favorite thing about where you live is. So you live in Alabama. I live in Montana. I would have to say my favorite thing about where I live is the beach. I live 15 minutes north of the beach, white sand, Mm -hmm. the Gulf, you know, just, yeah. That's my favorite thing. I live near the beach. I would say the mountains, the views. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Rebecca wants to know what you liked most about your trip to Montana when you came out. But I feel like that means I have to come see you next. Uh, absolutely. You need to come see me. <laughs> and we need to record on the beach. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a live recording on the beach. (laughs) There we go. Um, I, what my favorite thing was when I came to Montana. Well, I love the mountains. I love the snow. I don't want to live in it nine months out of the year, but I love (laughs) all of that. So I think probably literally And this is probably a micro joy. I mean, I loved going skiing with your mom and her, you know, kind of um, helping me since I have like no muscle mass left in my body. (laughs) She's like, girl, you got to get home and get on a stair climber. I'm like, okay. Um, Probably when you and I saw each other face to face, when I came Mm -hmm. out, was coming out of the airport to meet you, it was just like, Oh my goodness, is this really happening? This is right. so cool. I love how God has intertwined our stories. Mm-hmm. So that was probably my favorite thing, just that first face to face, like, here's my little sister in Christ. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Mm, I love that. Okay. So this next question is from Andrea, and it's a little bit deeper. Are you ready? Oh. I hope so. (laughs) She says, how do we get beyond the culture, even in the Bible, of downgrading women and tapping and, you know, trading that, contrasting that for flourishing as daughters of God? Mm. Mm. Man, we just jumped into the deep end of the pool from the high dive. (laughs) And here we are. Thank you, Andrea. (laughs) No, seriously, (laughs) though. Man, I love um, questions that just make you dig in and think. Right. I'm going to let you lead with this initially. What what were your first thoughts when you saw that question? Oh, she referenced to Judges 19. And, you know, that is probably the gnarliest chapter in the Bible, Mm. at least. I think so. And just thinking about how women are not valued, my first thought is, girl, me too. Sometimes I like, oh, why is that there? Like, why, God? Why did you put it that way? Why is, oh, did you really have to record it? Um, Because it's tough. Yeah. You know, when when, uh, we we saw that question – um, and had Judges 19 that I went ahead, you know, and reread because it's been years and then read Judges 20, which gives more of the story 
of how justice was served after that. And I won't go into all of that. Um, but, you know, when you just said you wanted to say me too, uh, made me think of an article that I just read recently um, that, you know, me, the Me Too movement, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. which has been a quote unquote hot topic. And there is a denomination right now that is kind of blowing up with um, things that have been covered up and just a mess. But the Me Too movement if you if you really want to just kind of get super practical it, it didn't start just a couple of years ago mm. i mean there have been me too's all throughout the bible mm -hmm. and it does make you it does make you question it does make you ask questions like why you know why is this why is this recorded why was this allowed why you know and a couple of things come to mind. One, the same questions that we would ask now in our society today, when horrible, horrific, we just can't even wrap our minds around it, things that happen, we still say, why, Lord? Why? Mm -hmm. You know, and some people even say, well, why a God would allow this, you know, some people would say, um, you know, well, if God, if God loves us so much, he could have stopped it. And, um, and that's a, right. a whole conversation about the sovereignty of God and the fall of man. And, you know, so yeah. this, this article, do you mind if I just, read a bit of it yeah go ahead so in the bible all violence is considered an offense against god and against humanity scripture is full of condemnations of violence time and again violence is associated with wickedness and condemned as detestable to the lord referenced in psalm 11 referenced in proverbs 3 and proverbs 10 in particular, violence against women is condemned. In Jewish law, rape was viewed as equivalent to murder, as was pressuring a woman physically or psychologically. Mm -hmm. The Bible recounts many stories of the horrific sexual abuse of women. In the Old Testament narratives, rape is viewed as an outrage. The word nabala a term which only occurs 13 times in the Old Testament and is reserved for extreme acts of viol violation against God and human beings, including the rapes of Dinah and Tamar and the woman of Bethlehem. We never see the word abuse, but the term oppression, meaning crushing or burdening someone by the abuse or power of authority, is everywhere. The Psalms in particular portray oppression in a manner that echoes the way abuse survivors describe their abuser. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. That's from Psalms 10. God mm -hmm. is on the side of the oppressed and the abused. The scriptures clearly express God's desire for a dramatic transformation of society for those who are burdened, marginalized, or unjustly treated. You know, just listening to you and then what we talked about as we prepared for it about Judges 20, what stands out to me is those situations are part of a bigger story. Mm -hmm. And so if we isolate Judges 19 even, we go, it just makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Then we go to Judges 20, and we see that God exacted judgment on yeah. that kind of behavior. Yeah. So just even taking a step back to be able to view the next chapter helps us to see God's character again, mm -hmm. holy, just, and fighting for the oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. And... um. 
you know, this article is just fantastic. Goes on to to um, say so many things and and reference so many passages, but this is a part of the God's big story. It is mm-hmm. creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration. There will be redemption. I mean, there has been redemption by the death on the cross, but there is there is restoration. There will be restoration and there will be judgment. So it's very hard to wrap our minds around it, but God will exact judgment if even if we don't see it in our time frame here on earth, that judgment will come. Right. And I'm not trying to act like we've got all the answers Mm-mm. about that, but this article goes on to say, God hates evil and he judges and punishes evildoers. There will come a day when time will be up for all those who refused to abandon violence, who silenced the wounded, who could not embrace truth and justice. We do not need to take revenge for abuse, knowing that God condemns it, punishes evildoers, and will hold everyone to account. So what does this commitment to justice mean for people experiencing domestic violence, family violence? In particular, what constitutes a sin to be handled by one's church versus a crime to be handled by local authorities, it could not be clear that God hates violence and abuse. Hmm. Yep. He, I don't, I, I don't understand why things are allowed, but I'm thankful for a tough question like that because we do have to untwist the narrative that it was okay. We do have to untwist mm-hmm. the narrative that this is just the way that the culture is. Right. Because like what you just said, like it was allowed as in God permitted it. That doesn't mean it was signed off by or because it's not okay mm-hmm. for that. So. Yeah. Think, yeah. Thank you for that question, Andrea. Yeah. Definitely gets us thinking and pressing in and finding like where where is God faithful in this? That's a tough one. The next one is from Brianne. And she asks, I would love to hear if you guys have experienced difficulties with corporate worship. I get, I got close to panic level last night in church and got nearly nothing from the service, but I drove around for an hour after church and was able to worship and cry for the first time in a while. Is it just the people or the church service setting, do you think, like, triggered that? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I think I would like to have a conversation with Brienne and just kind of hear a little bit more about like what happened in that moment and and why she felt triggered in that environment right um, there was an awesome article i read a few months ago that was written by one of the ladies in the rfp fam and it was about triggers mm-hmm. and how to i should find that because that was yeah. a that was a really good article i i will tell you that you you know how much i love corporate worship and how much i love individual worship in that time and and as a musician as a vocalist you know and just being um you know the love languages of god the book that follows the five love languages and all you know just i I personally feel very connected reading his word and letting him speak to me through the act of word. And I also feel very connected to him through worship. I will tell you what does trigger me in worship is if I have to go back 
into an environment that I grew up in Mm. where it's just straight and stale and it's about, I don't even know, but I, I don't even know how to describe it, but, um, I can't, I can't go back into a quote unquote corporate worship time in an environment that I, it, that I grew up in a portion of, of my growing up, not all of my growing up, but just a portion because to me, it's just, it, it's not focused towards God. It, it's just, it's just not. And I'm not saying that's the way for everybody, but I can get triggered in an, this is probably not a word, but I, I don't know where, where Brianne's coming from on this, what, what triggers her, but I can say for me, I get triggered stepping into a thing where I feel in my spirit, the Holy spirit, like that it is not authentic. It's not mm. authentic. It's not genuine. It is performance. It is for show. It is. And there's no joy. There's no joy on people's faces. It's just, it's just not there. So. If anybody remembers who wrote that article, if somebody remembers it in the group, let me know so I can give a shout out to the right person and link to the blog that it was posted on. But one of the things she mentioned is like your body is trained to respond to dangerous situations. So mm-hmm. it's like we don't have to uh, feel so many, we don't have to label it as negative. We can remember that it's just your body communicating with you. Yes, it wasn't pleasant and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a happy experience, but your body was just communicating with you. Something set it off and you can you can just trace it back and remember like, what was it for you? Because like I could say, I can't answer for you. Was it the people? Was it the church? Was it, you know, what was it a specific song? Was it um, whatever mm. that your body went into fight or flight or freeze mode? Yeah. Like your body's just communicating with you. And mm-hmm. I, I love that afterwards you were able to connect with God. Oh yeah, just individually and drive around and and worship. Um, mm-hmm. I'm thankful that it didn't just stay at the point of being triggered and shutting down. That you did have that alone time, right. Brianne. That's good. That's good. The next question is from Hannah. She said, "How would y'all encourage you?" wives who have been taught the IFB abusive and quote unquote biblical views of womanhood, but have come out of that mindset and want to change their marriages for the better and do things the actual biblical way God has intended marriage and the wife's role. Wow. That's a loaded question. It is. I asked my husband, (laughs) like, help, (laughs) what would you say? Yeah. Because I think a lot of in in this situation, whether or not your husband is aware or not, like you can be, you can feel like you have like this weight of responsibility to change, but it's not all on your shoulders. Like that, you have your husband with you that also has to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. What what Bill said, and he, he's just so wise. I'm so glad that. I asked him because it's not the answer that I would have given. He said to make sure that you're honest and two, to make sure that you just be patient for the right time to be honest hmm. and bring good. up what you're facing, what you're dealing with, what you're feeling, um, like how you – Maybe you need space for a, a hobby that you never prioritized or you need, you want to use your voice more in the marriage or whatever you need. Be honest about it. Be patient for it. 
a good opening. And then the third thing he said, said, just, just one at a time. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, you know, back up and like dump truck unload. Cause he said for, he said for guys, so I'll, I'll generalize too, but he said, the minute you overwhelm me, he said this to me, like, if you overwhelm me, I'll just shut down. And he said, I might get short and because guys want to fix. They want to be able to help you. They want to solve the problem. And if we present it in a way that makes it very hard for them to do that with all of this is broken and it's all, you know, it all needs changed, they mm-hmm. feel powerless to do so. So that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. So ask a, a portion of that question again. I think maybe it's the the last half of the mm. question. Yeah. How, how would you change your marriage for the better to an actual biblical way God has intended it? And that is opposite of? IFB abusive and quote unquote biblical views of womanhood. Well, my prayer is that my prayer would be initially that that you can get on the same page. Um, mm-hmm. And that I, I think Bill's right. You've got to be able to have transparent, genuine, honest conversations. And like you said earlier, there's no specific formula but I would Mm -hmm. I would encourage the same thing that Bill said and I would also encourage a lot of just going to the Lord and saying this this is my this is my heart this is this is where I am you know because I think it's different it it depends on if both the husband and the wife have stepped out of what's considered um an unhealthy IFB situation or SBC or whatever denomination um, has stepped out from that and they're both on the path together as opposed to, you know, there are other situations where the husband is still in heavy. I've had messages like that and the wife is not. She's working to, um, navigate this and and how do we walk through this or vice versa you know right yeah those are two completely different scenarios right so i think what bill shared goes for a husband who's i think more on the same path like journeying out and she can use her voice to say this is what i need but the other all you can do and I don't mean to downplay this, but you can love well and let love flow out of you. And the grace of God that's transforming your life can transform others as well. And right. one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can I put a caveat in here, Emily? Please. Um, Go ahead. When And she she mentioned... Our listener mentioned abusive, and I don't know if she just meant the mm. the spiritual abuse from the pulpit, the verbal, you know, like a ver- verbal abuse from that type of concept. But I just want to I just want to make this very clear: if any of our listeners, any of our listeners, are in a situation where there is physical abuse. We are not addressing that. If there is physical abuse, you don't wait around and wait for the right time to talk. You find someone you can trust and you step away because mm-hmm. yeah. you, you do not stay in that abusive environment and you find someone that you can trust to say, this is what's going on. I need safety. I need to be protected. Right. Um, 
So when we talk about working through those things, we are not in any way, shape or form talking about physical abuse or sexual abuse. Um, That it's okay to sit and wait and be patient and talk about things because that that's not. And before we move on, I just want to say one thing to that, that God cares more about you than he does a marriage. Yeah. He loves you more than any institution, even if it's marriage. So, yeah. So this last question is from Bree, and she said, what is your favorite Bible story about a woman and why? Also, she would love to get any book recommendations on that because she is teaching her daughter about the awesome things that God has used women for in the Bible. Wow, that's a that's a fun question, and it's also like asking um, what's your favorite worship song? <laughs> <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> or what's your favorite movie? Or what's, your, you know, it's just like, wow, so many ideas. So what is your, what is your favorite Bible story about women? Uh, you're going to turn the tables. Uh, I am turning I really, the tables. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. It's okay to say, I don't know. Cause I like, I don't, I don't know. There are stories that we have covered in the RFP, RFWP. I just said RFP guys, you're welcome. <laughs> that we've covered <laughs> shout, on out. Our, shout out to the RFP, but there are stories that we've talked about. I think one of my favorite episodes is was the story of Hagar. And yet there's things that I still struggle with, with that story that you've got to wrap your head around. Um, I, I don't know that I have a favorite Bible story about a woman, but if I had to just pick one, if I had to pick one, okay. All right, Brie, if I have to pick one, it's probably going to be um, Esther. And then mm. the second one would be Ruth. I think if I had to pick one, it would be Mary. Uh, Mary Magdalene. Which Mary? Mary Magdalene. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just, I love that she was so broken and so God used her to also bring glory to himself. Mm. And it wasn't wasn't because she had her act together. It wasn't because she did anything absolutely spectacular, even though, I mean, it, the way she anointed Jesus was pretty spectacular. That's a huge prophecy in that, but I think that's who what I would, I would say. Yeah. Just seeing how she got to interact with Jesus and was present during his life and his death and his resurrection. That's good. Fun. Do you have any book recommendations that come to mind? I really haven't. I think most of those for me have been Bible studies that have been written by strong biblical authors. So um, I have been through the study of Esther. um, And I know that there are several ones out there. My favorite study of Esther um, is by Beth Moore. Um, it's not really about women, but one of my other favorite by a female author Bible study is by Priscilla Shire. I mentioned it a couple of episodes ago. It's the Bible study called Breathe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Man, I just, they're just not coming to my head right now. Mm-hmm. How about you? You know, I honestly, I'm still wading into the world of Bible studies because that's kind oh. of a new thing. Yeah, you weren't allowed to go through Bible studies. Yeah, it was definitely discouraged. <laughs> just like it was discouraged to go to college. 
<laughs> wow. Because you know what makes women stupid? <laughs> it's college. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Another, <clears throat> another RFP shout out. Yes. Wow. You know what? Maybe I can give it some thought this week. Maybe you can get give it some thought this week and we could put some book recommendations on our website. Um, yes. Because I'm yeah. I'm horrible at remembering stuff right off the top of my mm-hmm. head. Yeah, we have a list of resources that we should link up on our website. Okay. And think of some more books. Until next week, I think it would be awesome if you guys would leave us an open mic minute. Just go to our social media and go to Facebook or Instagram in the in Messenger. Slide up into our slide up into our DMs with the voice note. <laughs> and this week's prompt is drum roll, please. <laughs> what is your current favorite worship song and why? Ooh, I like that one. It's gonna I be like the awesome. fact that you put current in there because if you had said What's your favorite worship song and why? I would have just been like, oh my gosh. That's impossible. (laughs) That's impossible. (laughs) But current favorite worship song. I love it. All right. Ooh, I can't wait to hear these. It's going to, yeah. Then we're going to have to just play a bunch of worship songs for the next episode or something. (laughs) All right. Or maybe people should just you know, call in and sing it for us. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for all of these awesome questions and for um, caring about our lives, asking personal questions and asking questions that made us dig deep. I think another Q&A is going to be on the horizon because this is good. Makes us jump in a little bit. Yeah. So until next week, guys, seek truth. And as you do that, you will find God's heart. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As always, you can reach out to Lois and Emily at hello at sisterseeker.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to us if you would consider supporting the RFWP. You can go to patreon.com slash sister seeker another way to show your support is by leaving us a review this helps get this cause and this message to more women like you we'll see you next week thanks for being here friend